Welcome to Academic Medicine Leadership Lessons, brought to you by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. On this podcast, we speak with leaders in academic medicine about a variety of leadership topics. And now, your host, Dr. Saria Carter-Sicosio. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Gravel. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we are really excited about this next topic that we'll be addressing on our STFM podcast, Um, leading through change. And now of all times is probably one of the most pertinent and timely than we've experienced in our careers in family medicine and what we're experiencing across the country, in fact, across the globe. So give me just a moment to share some of your expertise with our listeners today because it's quite significant, your CV here. So Dr. Gravel is professor and chair at the Family and Community Medicine Department at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. He also serves as chair of the Academic Family Medicine Advocacy Committee. He's on the SDFM Board of Directors and the ACGME's Review Committee for Family Medicine. And also, thank you for your service and commitment to our sister organizations, Dr. Gravel, as a past president of AFMRD for the Family Medicine Education Consortium and also with the Massachusetts Academy of Family Physicians and the American Board of Family Medicine. You, you have touched and have led in almost every single family medicine organization we have in our country. So thank you for your service. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. So let's jump right in. And considering we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, a time filled with change and critical for our leadership to be taking us in the right direction, whether it's locally in your community or on the national stage. Can you just share with, with us what your thoughts are and how your experience as a leader has helped guide you and others through this change we're experiencing? Sure. Um, so again, it's it's wonderful to be be with you. Um, so certainly, if there's any question about the need for being able to manage change, this this has been the most incredible demonstration of the importance of, of this in any of our careers, even those uh, later in career. So um, I think one of the things I, I keep thinking about, particularly for our junior faculty, is that, you know getting through this time and and just all the change in such a rapid uh, fire succession that they've had to um, deal with um, will really actually set them up really well, I think, for their whole future careers. Not that anybody would ever in a a million years ask for this, but um, I think one of the silver linings of getting through something like this is um, we are are all becoming hopefully better at, at change management and dealing with change because uh, it wasn't an option in this case. Uh, oftentimes, uh, when we uh, go through a change, it, it, it was something that we chose or something that we decided it was it would be the best thing to do. Whereas we're in a situation where um, we didn't have that choice. I think, in some respects, frankly, change is easier in a crisis uh, in terms of mobilizing people um, and and getting people thinking collectively because you don't have another option. And so I oftentimes think it's not necessarily during the crisis that's the hard part. It's it's just the immediate aftermath. So I think that's something that we all as leaders need to be thinking about is how are we going to be ready for the next phase, um, whenever that's going to be. So certainly, uh, just personally, I 
actually uh, came to Milwaukee uh, at the at Mount College of Wisconsin only in October. So I'm I'm still a new chair here, and I came from Boston, and had been in Boston for 25 years. So me and my family certainly went through a lot of change this fall too, with a new job, a new city, um, a new type of job. I hadn't been a chair before, but I think a lot of the principles I learned as a residency director and in other leadership capacities is, is definitely helped me a lot because I think regardless of what rank is in, in an organization or in a department or at a residency, I think what you learn at each step of the way is, is going to be helpful for, for whatever you do, whatever role you take. And I, I definitely have found that the, the, the things that are particularly important in terms of change management never dealt with the pandemic, but, but the principles are really pretty much the same and, and people are people and and how to lead people is, is going to be more similar than dissimilar, regardless of what the reasons for the change are. So, so I, it's been a fascinating time, I think, just to be living in this. And I think I, I tell our, our, spoke to our new interns coming in, you know, they'll certainly be talking about this time 50 years from now. And again, I, I think it can be an exciting time also in terms of it's become cliche, frankly, with the Chinese symbol for change is, is opportunity. But I think it's real. I think that's a real thing. And I think my hope is, is that um, those in family medicine, I think, are acutely aware of the problems with the pre-existing healthcare system. And you know, certainly my hope, and I know all of our hopes, is that um, we'll actually uh, be able to get to a better system that's more equitable for our patients, our communities, uh, having gone through this. So, um, again, I think that that could be a, a silver lining. I, I also think it won't happen automatically without a lot of advocacy on our part to articulate the needs of change in the healthcare system and, and in our own institutions. Sure. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your personal story most recently with the change in career and your family changes because of that. Um, So I can only imagine stepping right in in the fall and being welcomed to the College of Wisconsin at the same time with COVID-19 approaching. Now, you said some insightful comments that I I would like to unpack a little bit. For one, you talk about change management, and I, I do think that's critical. And as you said, yourself that this is just stage one and people have jumped in to be noble and to come together. And I'm wondering, as we discuss change management, because that is such an essential piece of leading through change, can you discuss a little bit about resilience and how you build resilience of your peers, those who you're leading, and yourself? Because we're, we like to call this a second wave or a different phase, but as we're hearing across the country, we're still in the same wave and we just haven't made it past it. So what are you doing to help build your team so that they can manage the change that is approaching? and will continue ahead of us. Sure. So I think the I think the first thing to articulate and, and talk to people about is just that um, particularly when you're going through a crisis like this that's quite negative on so many different levels. You know, I think um, as you get older you also have uh, an understanding that uh, this too shall pass is is a pretty uh, useful idea. Because pretty much, even if it's good stuff, that also passes. So, um, so I think I think framing it for people and under and helping them understand that this is a temporary situation in terms of of a pandemic 
In terms of resiliency, I do think we have to be very mindful of people working incredibly hard for incredibly large amounts of time in very stressful stressful environments. So I think what's particularly important is that we we give our people that we're leading permission to take care of themselves and not only permission, but encourage that. So I actually started a, a daily email, which I never thought when I came in this chair that anybody would have any interest in reading. And maybe a lot of them don't, but but I think some people for certain have, have really found that, uh, that that's been a, a a big help to them because I, what I'm doing is a, it's a digest. So it's not just my own supposed wisdom, but it's, it's people contributing to a digest every day that I'm sharing with everyone. So I think resiliency is built uh, in, in large part on community. And so one of the things we really focused on is, is developing a very strong sense of community. I, our department already had a, a strong sense of community, but I think it's frankly gone to a different level because of what we've been going through. So, Dr. Gravel, let's let's stay within the stream of COVID-19, as this is one of our greatest challenges and change that we've ever experienced. And I would assume that um, South Carolina is no different than Wisconsin or your experience. I mean, the past in Massachusetts, when there is a huge um, event that occurs, and for example, with the pandemic, every few weeks or so, we recognize it's time to pivot, or based on what we've learned and what we were doing before, we recognized perhaps there are some things that we could do better, or what we thought might work is not currently working. So as a leader, how do you pivot your group? And let's say if a course correction is due, how do you address, how do you address a course correct? And in the case of where perhaps one of your colleagues or someone that you're attempting to lead um, struggles getting on board, how do you handle that situation when perhaps you have a resistor or you're just struggling with having everyone rowing in the same direction? Sure. So uh, I think when there's something clear uh, like a pandemic, it's it's frankly easier um, in terms of keeping um, people on track because the ability for people to see the, the need to get through the crisis is more clear to people. I think it's when there's a change initiative that's not as clear or not clear to everybody that it's necessary. So certainly during the pandemic, um, there's been a major focus on communication. We've actually instituted uh, a daily email to uh, assist with that. We've actually been meeting a, a tremendous amount maybe even more than we typically were doing in terms of keeping everything on track. So I think regrouping and reorganizing your communication strategy is really important. Um, I think the other major um, aspect to leadership in in this kind of situation and, and in any situation is the ability for the leader to take responsibility for results. And in fact, sometimes even take more than what uh, the leader maybe um, in, in a very strict sense should take the blame, but I think because of the power differential, it, it really is helpful for the leader to um, to assume responsibility for the results, to um, not blame other people if things aren't going well, and really developing a culture of responsiveness to feedback, understanding that um, uh, criticism is almost always constructive or, or 
particularly with a culture that can be developed to make it constructive. I think encouraging people, um, if they do have constructive criticism of the current path, to at least do some thought and give some thought and express um, maybe not only just that this isn't working, but what they would do to fix it. I think just getting everybody actively thinking about that is really uh, helpful. And then the last thing I would just say is feedback is just crucial. So I think looking back on any change initiative or on any response to the pandemic, looking at what whether the problem was problem with the design of the plan, whether it was execution of the plan, um, whether circumstances have changed since the plan was originated. And, and one frame I like to use is kind of the SOAP format that we're familiar with in terms of our patient visits, which is uh, trying to get subjective information, which is really important. Sometimes um, there's probably an overemphasis on only objective information, but objective information is particularly important because sometimes people have uh, misimpressions or misconceptions and that the uh, that objective criteria can can uh, help with facilitating their buy-in if you if particularly doctors I think appreciate if if you can come up with some objective metrics and then after the subjective and the objective data is acquired then doing an assessment and then doing a plan and and that plan uh, may be different than what the original plan is so maybe thinking of it as how we take care of patients, and even with chronic diseases, we, we change the plan even if the disease hasn't changed uh, based on, on what's going on uh, with, with the disease process, the patient's life or whatever. So looking at both internal and external factors. So I, I, think, I think our training as physicians really, in fact, gives us, particularly family physicians, where a lot of our work is change management of patients and behavior change of patients. Um, I think we're ideal really for thriving in, in these kind of times and working successfully and navigating and helping to drive change when it's needed. Thank you. Certainly sage words from an experienced leader who has seen so many years and experiences with um, with those who have the capability. And I love when you refer to the humility it takes as a leader and to be open to feedback yourself and, and having that culture of responsiveness to feedback. I think that's a very important message. So... Why don't we make our own pivot and switch completely away from COVID-19 because I am sure you're experiencing, much like I am, that we're all so tired of it. We're tired of COVID-19 and wouldn't it be nice to look to the future and get back to strategic leading and being visionary for our departments and for family medicine overall. So tell me, in past experiences or, or future changes that you're anticipating, um, there is an opportunity to think proactively when change is necessary. So could you share with our listeners an experience that you've had or something that you're approaching in the future where change is necessary, but you actually have the leisure of developing a position and engaging and getting buy-in from individuals for, for a change or transformation? Sure. So I, I think some of it is just looking at um, where you want to go and what you believe your community needs and what the specialty needs and uh, what opportunities exist. So uh, I, I think some of the some of the topics in, in terms of this question would really be based on your own local situation and department needs or your residency needs, et cetera. So coming in as a new chair, um, 
as an example, um, I, I definitely come from a residency education background. I was a residency director for 20 years and very much value the research piece to departments at medical schools. I think it's crucial for our specialty actually to try to um, do more in terms of uh, community-based residency programs and, and having everyone think that not, not just kind of cordon off the research effort to quote researchers, but have us all with, with EHRs and which have their own set of issues. But one of the possibilities that I don't think we fully realize is the ability to do more practice-based research. So I'm thinking one of the opportunities for our specialty is, is really trying to bring research to, to the clinic much more specifically. So um, that's, a, that's a strategic initiative that we thought about when I first came in is I, I would like to figure out how to do that. And I also know I'm not a researcher, so I appreciate research, but I'm, I'm not a researcher. I don't have the skill set to do a great job with this. So that's where the family of family medicine comes in. That's where um, organizations like STFM come in um, because the networking that you do, you, you meet people and you know, well, I do know some really great researchers, so I'll ask them, what would you do if you're in my position? So I've done that. And so we're actually going to be embarking on, a, on an external consultation, so it's not an admission of um, anything other than recognizing that it's an area for opportunity for our department. So we just spent an hour and a half this morning on, on that. And that's not, again, my forte as, as a leader, but my, my responsibility is to get the right people in the right places and get the expertise that we need to go forward. We have incredible talent in, in, in our department, so I want to be able to more fully uh, support their efforts and also try to link up, again, the educational efforts we were doing with our residency programs and, and so, so to speak, marry the researchers and the, um, the full-time researchers with our clinical activities. So that, to me, is an exciting proposition. I think it's an opportunity for family medicine writ large. And so that's, that's an area that whether we have a pandemic or not, we're going to be embarking on. And so what shines through to me, Dr. Gravel, is, again, your humility in these situations. And it's an incredibly powerful move, I believe, for um, our, our colleagues and those that we're leading to help develop them as well, to recognize their own zones of genius, and to demonstrate by example and role modeling how important it is to surround yourself with experts. We all have our own expertise, and when they see that you can be vulnerable enough to be the type of leader to bring others in to help lead and move the conversation forward. Um, hopefully that message it sends to them is that they could also do the same. Not No single one of us knows all of the answers to everything. So we're stronger together. And, and I do believe that was the underlying theme that you were sharing with us just a moment ago. So again, thank you. I, I think that's a very insightful um, thought process that you've already walked through. And I can already tell the excitement that's coming for research in Wisconsin. Yeah, thank you. And can I, can I add just one other thing? Um, besides just specific initiatives like that, the other thing is that's very consistent with, with that idea is um, knowing, knowing yourself, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses. And it could also just be what you're, you're particularly interested in. We're, we're all interested in different things as, as leaders. Uh, some tend to be more big picture 
kind of vision, you know, kind of where you want to go, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. Other people are incredibly detail-oriented. They're wonderful with budgets. They're wonderful, and that's you need to do that to get there. I certainly have been blessed over the years with complimentary people in the even the day-to-day work that uh, where, I, you know, I can, I can try to leverage my strengths, but they're much better at certain things, even just the typical running of the department than, than I have uh, either the capacity for or maybe even the interest for. I, you know, I do budgets because we have to do budgets. Um, other people love the problem-solving aspect to budget analysis. So, so it, it definitely takes a team to have a successful department. So true on all levels. And, and thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, so I would ask any final words of wisdom for our listeners today as we lead through change and um, these um, challenging times that we have today and looking forward to the future for family medicine. Sure. So th- thanks again for the opportunity. I think, I, I think really the leader's prime job is to make everyone else better and to support and, and I really do believe in servant leadership as a concept. I think that the best organizations have servant leaders. And it, it all starts, I think, with a, a sense of enthusiasm and energy and attitude. Uh, so you definitely need to bring a lot of technical skills to the table. But I think sometimes people don't have a full appreciation for how their attitude sets the tone for the entire place. And that, that's true for practicing uh, physicians who sometimes you know, don't understand that, you know, they really do drive the, the atmosphere, the, the climate um, that they're practicing in. And you can definitely get a lot more done if there's a sense of optimism and there's going to be setbacks. It's the real world, but, but you'll get there together. And, and that's really the, the fun of it. And then the last thing I'll just add is I always use this with patients. Um, I think in this healthcare system, that's very difficult in a lot of ways that there's, there can be a little bit of a feeling of helplessness. That, that kind of start, starts to set in when, when we get, get beat up a little bit by the system. And I always, I always like to frame it for patients that no matter what the situation, if, if you're not particularly happy with that as well, you really always have four options. And one is to just accept that. And sometimes that's the right way to go. Uh, you can try to change it. You can try to reframe it. Or sometimes you have to leave it. And all those four options are always available to you. So I think being very thoughtful about in any particular situation um, that we're in, thinking about what's the best route of those four empowers us. And I think, I think empowerment really is, is crucial to um, both our own careers as well as our organizations. So I really appreciate the opportunity today. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for your service to um, the specialty of family medicine and leading us where we need to go. We really appreciate you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Academic Leadership Lessons. This podcast is produced by the Society of Teachers of Family Medicine. Visit us at stfm.org and follow us on Twitter at STFM underscore FM. This podcast is copyright Society of Teachers of Family Medicine 2020.